Welcome to day two of the Offshore Europe podcast, live from the Woods stand. And um, this week we're discussing industry trends and hot topics with wood experts and special guests. I'm joined today by Steve Nicholl, our Executive President of Operations at Wood, and Ross Dornan, Market Intelligence Manager at Offshore Energies UK, who are going to discuss the OUK Economic Report 2023, which was launched today. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Um, so to set the scene for our listeners, Ross, can I invite you just to give a brief overview of the main findings of today's report? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. So we published a record report this morning. It's our 20th edition of record report, which is a bit of a milestone for us, really well established now. I think there's a few key themes which can sum it up, and I think it's around opportunity, about importance, and also, though, about solutions that we know how to overcome the challenges that we've got. We talk about opportunity. We're, we're at the start of an energy revolution. We've got £200 billion of potential spend this decade on the UK's offshore energy system and hundreds of billions of pounds more into the future. That's really important for a number of aspects. It's really important for economic growth, the hundreds of thousands of jobs it supports, the tens of billions of pounds it drives the economy. It's really important for emissions reductions because it's about offshore wind. It's about progressive reduction of oil and gas emissions and about carbon capture and storage and hydrogen. It's also about energy supply security, which is top of the agenda at the moment too. And ultimately, it's good for consumer bills. So we really want to see this opportunity, this investment opportunity move forward because it's so important um, for, for the UK and for us all who are connected to this industry. And then the final one is about solutions. We're, we're facing big challenges which are holding back about half of that investment at the moment. But the key thing is, is we know, we know what it's going to take to unlock it. And there's some really practical things we can do as a sector, as individuals, um, but also we need support from government and regulators as well to really get that moving. Okay, thanks, Ross. So I guess picking up on that investment piece, I'll maybe come to you first, Steve. What do you think the industry can do? And maybe, Ross, I'll get you to comment on the government kind of piece. What can we do to unlock that investment? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Sarah. I don't see this as just being the government's problem to fix. You know, it does need to be in collaboration with industry and government. I would say... In terms of industry, what can we do? I think it's about dialing our voice up. I think it's about speaking up for the industry. And actually, Dave Whitehouse this morning really shared that message and laid down the gauntlet. You know, we care about this industry. So now's the time. I think we need to step forward and really amplify our voice. And then on the flip side of that, and um, so when a company's looking to make these investments, they're thinking years, decades into the future, in some cases we're talking tens of billions of pounds potential spend, they need certainty of conditions. At the moment we have uncertainty within the political regime, we've got uncertainty in terms of policy, in terms of the tax regime, companies think in decades, so we need policy that thinks in decades too. Um, to achieve that we need a bit more consensus and a bit more forward planning from across the political divide, not just for the government of today, but the government of the future as well. It's a really important part of the investment risk profile when companies look at spending things. And, and it's really important that politicians understand that and that the, the actions they take and the things that they say really matter in terms of the decisions that companies make and ultimately the impact that has on our energy supply, on our companies, and, and at the end of the day, our people too. Sarah, if I could maybe just come back in. Um, you know, so, so Ross mentioned the £200 billion of potential spend in the in the basin by 2030. I think it, you know, it's important to say that 
100 billion of that is actually got through the approval gate. Therefore, by default, was 100 billion hasn't. That approval piece is going to come from government and industry. It's not just government here. So I do think, you know, it is incumbent on the industry as well to really get after this and try and push things through a bit quicker. Absolutely. Um, I guess that leads on to my next question quite well, which was focusing on supply chain. So how can we ensure that the supply chain has sufficient demand to grow if that same supply chain is going to help us deliver the transition? And I guess on the flip side, you know, if uh, carbon capture, hydrogen, renewables, offshore wind all comes online and oil and gas as well, is there going to be a capacity crunch? How is the supply chain going to cope with that? You know, if I jump in first, um, the first thing I would say is, you know, I'm excited about carbon capture and hydrogen and, and other energy transition projects. And the great thing is that um, the skill base that we've got right now in oil and gas will be transferable into these industries. So that's, the, you know, that that's a big thumbs up. That's really important. I think in terms of the, the crunch, you know, so I do see the potential for significant amount of new jobs for for the sector. Um, there will be a natural kind of drop off from oil and gas work as well. So, you, you know, it, it won't all just be incremental. So there will be a kind of natural hedge uh, to some extent there as well. But, you know, what is it about? It's about investing. It's about investing in our early careers. It's about investing in graduates, investing in apprenticeships. You know, that's a that's a big part of it. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I see more opportunity than threat in these additional jobs. Yeah, I think there's some really good points there. If, if, if we look at the supply chain profile at the moment, I think about 70% of the demand on the UK's offshore energy supply chain at the moment comes from oil and gas projects. It's probably going to be relatively similar to that for the next two or three years. Um, and that's before the potential of a real big uptick in offshore wind and carbon capture and hydrogen towards the end of the decade. The, the big concern I have is if, is if there's a, a large drawdown in oil and gas activity now and in the two or three years in the future, that's going to impact on the decisions that companies make in terms of their equipment, their technologies, but their people as well. We want them to remain focused on the UK, but there's so much competition from other parts of the world which are turning supply chain heads. We don't want them to turn away from the UK, we want them to be focused on, on committing to the UK. The other thing which I think is really important from the supply chain angle is that you've got that experience to build these things in the future. Carbon capture and storage, it's, it's new to the UK. We're trying to build a new industry here in the UK, but it's not brand new from other places around the world. I know we'd have built carbon capture plants around the world. Let's, let's make sure that we leverage that experience. We leverage the know-how of our engineers and our people and our companies to, to, to use that as a foundation to build the UK's future energy system. We've got a great competitive advantage from our supply chain and it, it can help really push us forward. It's a, it's a bit of a use it or lose it, I think. And in, in terms of capacity, when we talk about the future, the future potential, a lot of it being uncertain. How do companies like yourselves, a Wood, um, and other companies within the supply chain have the confidence to make strategic investments now for business that might come in two or three years' time? And that comes back to the government as well, given the positive frameworks, the, the business models for hydrogen, the business models for carbon capture and storage, they give the energy, the, the project developers and the project owners the confidence to move forward with them, which then cascades through the supply chain, giving companies in the supply chain confidence. So when we talk about government role, it's not just directly in getting uh, projects moving, it's also in getting supply chain spend moving. 
and getting that investment in people that we need to see at every level of the supply chain too. What could the future of the UK industry look like if all these right levers are pulled? I know, Steve, you've already spoken today about a lot of new renewables projects are in feasibility stage, studies stage, but they're not moving through to actual projects or operation stage. So what what could the future look like if all those things click into place? Well, I think that's the, that's the exciting part, isn't it, Sarah? You know, in terms of carbon capture jobs, there could be 50,000. Now, I would estimate that there's right now, Ross, 140,000 jobs within the supply chain. You know, so we could be getting up to 200,000 jobs, which would just be fantastic. I think there is capacity locally to, to, I don't think we've reached our optimal level yet in terms of jobs and, and people working in the industry. So I think there is space to move up. But, you know, how, how exciting does that sound, adding another 50,000 jobs into the local economy, economy? Think about the return and the value add that that can bring to the government. To our local communities, it would just be fantastic. So, so I'm really enthused and excited about the, the thought of these energy transition jobs that are going to come in the future. Yeah, I think good point. So if we, if we look into the future, the end of this decade, spend from the UK's offshore energy industry could be 50% higher than it is now. So, you know, we're talking about, the, really, we should be looking at having a larger industry than we have now. More people, more value for companies. That will be unlocked if we get the investment moving, though. Um and I think, I think what's really important as well to recognise with this is the industry will only be larger if we can capture as much value as possible from those projects here in the UK. So local content is really important. Um, I, think, I think we'll see more focus on local content within contract awards, within government support as well. Um, that Making sure that spend penetrates through the UK supply chain, supports UK communities and supports UK jobs. So I think you're, you're, what I'd see is a, it's a larger industry. It's a more, more efficient industry, a more collaborative industry. It's probably getting more integrated than it has been in the past, I think, um, where there's been less of a, um, more, more of a more of a collaborative project rather than operator and supply chain. I think it would be more of a, a combined development um, consensus model, which I think is really positive for us all. Um, and it will be lower carbon and more efficient and we'll have more of our energy coming from the UK. Um, and, and consumers will hopefully be less worried about the impact their energy has on their everyday lives. And it will be hopefully a bit less of a, a political football than it is now. So um, we have a closing question this week that we're asking all of our uh, podcast guests. And it's around the theme of Offshore Europe 2023, which relates to kind of our last discussion. So the theme is accelerating the transition to a better energy future. So, Steve, what does that mean to you? Gosh, what does it mean to me? I'm not going to give a, a corporate answer here. I'm going to give an answer from Steve Nicholl, the individual who's lived in Aberdeen for 48 years. So that's my age, Sarah. Um, <laughs> I think this, this is really about Aberdeen and, and Aberdeenshire really seizing the moment. That's what this is about for me. Yeah, I think it's, to me it's about expansion of opportunity for companies and for people. It's about... I think, I keep listening personally, I've got a two-year-old daughter. I want her to live in a better world than I than we've all lived in, a cleaner world, um, a, a wealthier world, to be honest with you, with, with less challenge and less polarisation. And I want her to be actually, I think, someday that age should be able to think about how they can have a career within this industry. She should be able to think about, um, I said in the breakfast this morning, 
what an exciting career you can have in the offshore energy industry. You can be the heart of solving the world's biggest challenge in climate change, and you can help grow our economy. That, to me, is, is brilliant, and it should inspire people um, to really think positively about the future. Well said. Yep. Okay, well, that brings our discussion to a close. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah.